Kit McCarty here, welcoming you to Now I See, a podcast where people of vision share their eye-opening experiences that helped them shift focus, gain perspective, and see themselves and their world in a whole new way. We invite you to pull up a chair to the conversational table, pour yourself a drink, and enjoy our show. We're hoping our time together will encourage, elevate, and engage you toward your own eye-opening moments. Today's guest is Barbara McDonald. Welcome to Now I See. This is so exciting. It's so fun. Oh, good. I hope that you still think so after we've been talking for a while. Barbara may have grown up in a single-parent home, but God more than compensated for that by adopting Barb into his forever family and later filling her home with a husband, two sons, grandchildren, and friends and ministry partners who are as close as family. Together with her husband, Aldon, they published Bible study guides and materials through their company, Roper Press. They organized, promoted, and managed the Shepherd Ministry student conferences that filled arenas around the country, and they discovered and launched the careers of internationally renowned speakers and musicians like Dawson McAllister, Mark Matlock, Al Denson, Todd Proctor, Chris Tomlin, Gabriel, and Mercy May. They owned and managed Shepherd of the Ozark summer camps that hosted church groups, families, and orphans from around the world. Barbara has a gift of making people think and making people laugh. I'm still cracking up about some of the skits you wrote, Barbara, and directed and performed over the years, not to mention the pranks you pulled. Barbara is also the author of three books, Angels Tell the Story, Zoom into the Future and Beyond, and Before There Was Time. Barbara, I'm in awe of you and the influence you've had on millions of people around the world. It is an honor to know you and to have walked alongside <laughs> you, to call you my friend and to have this conversation today. I see you as encouraging and supportive, faithful and true. Gracious, generous, hospitable, creative, and clever. How do you see yourself? Well, I kind of thought, whoa, that, who is that person she's describing? But Because I see myself as a good sport. You are a good sport, that's true. <laughs> because I'm married to a visionary and a risk taker. And so as we have started and gone through all these things that you have described, um, it's just been plain old fun. It, life has been fun. And each thing builds upon another in our lives. You know, we're not, none of us is an island. None of us starts from scratch every single thing that maybe we do in our life because our past experiences build on that and make make life really worthwhile. We learn um, from mistakes, and we are encouraged when things are going well and to keep going. So there you go. I wholeheartedly agree, and I love that God wastes nothing in our lives. And you have lived a hundred lifetimes in one lifetime. You've been in publishing. You've been in conferences. You've done administrative work. You've, done, you've traveled all over the place. And um, you've, you've, you're a writer, and you're a wonderful friend. And so you have um, so much experience and so many fun things to bring to the conversation today. And so I'm excited to get started. How do you think you became the person that you are? You've talked about how life experiences have brought you to this point. And you've mentioned uh, the influence of some friends and some circumstances. What are some other things that helped form you and make you the person that you are? Well, I think growing up in a single-parent home, in the days before, there were uh, helps for single moms. Um, 
my mother, a very talented um, secretary, now called administrative assistants, but um, the, there wasn't much money. And so, yes, growing up, really, I would say, looking back, poverty in a single-parent home, okay, makes one self-reliant, um, makes one learn to be a hard worker, mm-hmm. I think so, to too. contribute to the family. And, and I would say, as God was my father, because was, it was a true single-parent home, my father not involved at all, he was so glad to hand me off to my husband when we got married. And so my husband has shown me how to live under the umbrella of protection as God designed it. And we have worked together. I didn't have my own career, and he had his career. We worked together. So I'm glad to answer any questions or say anything about any one of those things that you might be curious about. Well, I think growing up, doing without also makes a person a really good steward of the things that they do have. And I've certainly seen that in you and Aldon in your ministry. Um, and I'm so grateful for that because when you steward the things well, I think God gives you more mm-hmm. to work with. And I have seen you live extravagantly as you give to others and as you encourage others. And, and that comes from an abundance that has a lot more to do with your character and your nature as opposed to your possessions, which... You know, God, which you have stewarded well, and God has allowed you to use to bless others. Um, another thing that I wanted to say when you were talking about how God protected you in that time was um, that I think that's one of the reasons that you can live with abandoned because you know where your security is, mm. and when you feel secure, then you're not always looking over your shoulder. You're not second guessing yourself. You're free to think bigger thoughts and to pursue bigger things and to take more risks because you know where your ultimate security is. Well said. You said that absolutely perfectly. And God loves to use us as a conduit for his blessing. And if we see that we are faithful, as you said, with little things, he gives us more things. Uh, faithful for in the bigger things with um, character qualities. And he knows that if he can trust us with a little thing like money, He can trust us with bigger things. And so, you know what? You have started me thinking about that, and bless you. That's fun, (laughs) because that is the fun of looking back over life and saying, oh, yes, okay, that's right. You're absolutely right. God has used us to bless others because he's blessed us so abundantly. Melanie, you trusted him to do that. So let's pick apart some of these layers here. You started uh, working together with your husband at Roper Press. So what are some of the stories that come from Roper? And were you a writer then or only in your later years? No, but we published books in the days before computers. Oh, gosh, that's right, of course. <laughs> and, so, and so the copy for the books was printed out. We copied and pasted. And when there was a mistake, we had to cut out the line with an exacto knife. Mm-hmm. We had to paste with rubber cement, mm-hmm. and then we had to erase with a <laughs> little the thing to make yes. sure there was no rubber cement. Mm-hmm. And right now, okay, on a computer, 
You can copy and paste. You can edit with a click. Mm-hmm. And that is, I assisted the artist who did that at Roper Press. I was her assistant, and she showed me how to do that. Oh, important thing, a T-square. <laughs> That's right. To make everything, things perfectly straight. Everything had to be straight. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it, was, it was at Roper Press when we published through the Bible studies for every age. I mean, they're wonderful Bible study tools. Um, my husband happened to see some books by Dawson McAllister that had been published by Moody Press that were no longer in print. And so he somehow got the publishing rights for Moody Press, and we started publishing those books, the student manuals. I still have some. Oh, you know what? They're timeless. They're so good. Timeless. Well, Are they still in print? People still get them? I think you can on Amazon. Okay. I think you can. Okay, so then um, Dawson was speaking, but at very small events, and sometimes they didn't work out. So he and Al uh, teamed up, and they started doing the conferences. and Which were huge. Yes, they started out being, we started at First Baptist in Dallas, um, Robert Jeffress was the youth pastor. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> he was. Wonder whatever happened to him. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and then we went to bigger venues and bigger venues. Finally, Dallas Convention Center and the Fort Worth Convention Center because it, there were too many people to handle a one. And you know that's when we met you. Mm-hmm. Well, the conferences were more than just entertainment. And for me, they were so valuable because growing up, I don't remember having a lot of Christian friends. I had some, but I don't remember having a lot. And very often I felt like I was the only believer. And so when I would go to those arenas and see them filled with teenagers and with adults who were loving and supporting them and and guiding them through life, that just encouraged me so much. As you mentioned, this is why we do what we do. This is why we host those events, to be able to to share the gospel in a compelling way that seems practical, that seems reasonable, that seems desirable. And so many people at that conference went on to pursue ministry, went on to um, make an impact in their schools, on their college campuses, in their workplaces, and many of them chose ministry either vocational or bivocational as a result of that. They had such profound impact. And so many of the people that I know now as adults have very fond memories of going to conferences, mm. just like the ones that you and oh. Aldon did. You've touched million, literally millions of lives as you filled those arenas with tens of thousands of teenagers and adults everywhere from Minneapolis to L.A. to Dallas, all the big cities. So many lives were impacted, and uh, that, was, that was where you and I, became friends and uh, have been friends for a long, long time. Well, as Barbara says, one thing leads to another. Hopefully your listening to our conversation today will lead you to like and subscribe, to rate our show so that others can find us, to share this episode with a friend, or to become better friends with us by joining our conversation online at nis.media or on Facebook 
at Kit McCarty NIS. This week, we'd love to hear your story about one of your camping adventures. Stay tuned to hear about one of Barb's. There was so much to love about the Shepherd Ministries student conferences. Two of my favorites were the ones on a walk with Christ to the cross and the one about student relationships. Not only was the teaching that Dawson did superb about why we believe what we believe and how to stand strong when you are sharing what you believe, but we dealt with topics of the day that were just so important to teenagers how to get along with your family, how to get along with your friends, self-discipline, how to break bad habits and to start new ones, how to say no to drugs and alcohol, how to manage guilt and shame, how to, to respond to people that were hurting around us, how to be a better friend. So it wasn't always all serious. In fact, the conferences were really kind of like a festival. It was so much fun. There were so many things to see and do. There was so much energy and excitement. I especially loved being at the product tables. We had beautiful t-shirts and sweatshirts. There were books to buy. There was music on cassettes, which is hilarious. And the artists were amazing. You and Aldon found artists before they became famous. Uh, Those included people like Al Denson, Todd Proctor, and Chris Tomlin, and the groups Gabriel and Mercy Me. Do you have some stories you can tell us about the early days of any of those? Is that, as you mentioned, uh, talented musical personalities, music personalities through the years. Okay, Chris Tomlin, who is so cool now. Okay, we found him in college. He was graduating from A&M. We already had a cool singer. That was Todd Proctor. He was very cool. <laughs> I think all the girls had a crush on yes, him. Yes, yes, and, and great, a great worship mm-hmm, leader. He was. But we wanted somebody to be kind of different, so we made Chris a cowboy. We made him wear a cowboy hat and sing like country western style. And you know what? <laughs> that is hilarious because he is so... He is so not that. I mean, (laughs) but he was willing. He was a kid just graduating from college, A&M, and it was a job. Okay, and he did great. I mean, his talent showed up even then, and his spirit. I would say that the musicians that we had through the years had great servant hearts. And I will just tell you the first time that we heard, I can only imagine. It was at the Fort Worth conference. Mercy Me was doing a sound check before the conference. So as I got finished with folding t-shirts, which was (laughs) by the thousands, yes, um, I wanted to go in and hear their sound check. Their sound check was a song that Bart had just written. And so I sat in the first row of that convention center, and I heard that song that was as meaningful the first time mm-hmm. it was sung. Mm-hmm. And we knew it was going to be more than a blessing. When we say that word, I don't know. We knew how it would impact lives, and it still does today. But I got to sit in the first row 
of that sound check and hear it for the first time. So I think that's one of the most engaging parts to me about your story and Aldon's is that you were visionaries. You saw things before they happened. You saw the potential that Dawson had for being able to fill arenas. You saw what your publications could do as the Word of God transformed hearts and lives. You saw talent and character in people who um, just needed a, a boost, a hand up, a push of encouragement, and you were able to make that happen for them. I mean, I think I've heard Chris Tomlin referred to as one of America's worship pastors because almost every church sings something he's written every Sunday. He's, he's just written so many wonderful worship tunes. And I don't think hardly anybody doesn't know who Mercy Me is because of Bart Millard's uh, breakout song, I Can Only Imagine. And of course, they've done so many other wonderful things, but uh, he also had a movie done about his life. And, and so a lot of people became aware of them outside of Christian circles as well. We've had a lot of fun watching that movie. And you know how Hollywood does things? They make it, I mean, knowing, knowing how it really happened and then how Hollywood made it more, you know, spectacular. But you know what? Essentially, it was the same. We just had fun because we knew little details. I kept um, waiting for your cameo appearance in that movie. Yes, I knew it was going to yes, be there. Yes, I knew. I was <laughs> waiting. I, I, was, I waiting. was waiting. <laughs> waiting because I knew waiting some of the backstory, but oh, Hollywood. <laughs> yes, but but you know what it it has uh, because of that song. It was so interesting to know the backstory of it. Their promoter found them and took them away, started doing things with them. We didn't do that and made this song big on radio. Okay. The same with Chris Tomlin. The songs he wrote, they were not, we didn't own them. He owned them. And so his career is blossomed. He has done well. And we are happy for him. And they're great guys with the heart to worship. And there you go. Well, we also did camps. Which were some of the funnest. Yeah, that's where I really saw your other side. Your funny, quirky, laugh out loud, impulsive. (laughs) (laughs) Because before, you you always seemed, you, you had work to do. You were focused. You were measured. But at retreat, you just really let your hair down, and you were so much fun. Not that you weren't the other times, but I really (laughs) saw it in those circumstances where you didn't have work to do, and you just got to play. And it was so much fun to be around you. So tell me a little bit about your camping experience. Did you happen to be help the IBC youth with the camp in Jekyll Island, Georgia, when the hurricane came in? Mm -mm, mm -mm. Okay. I thought about that because the hurricane just was, you know, hitting Florida and it's hurricane season and it's summertime and it's camp season. Right. right. So we, we were doing a camp at Jekyll Island on the beach. We had one of the big tents with an, a thousand kids. So you know how big the tent had to be. Oh, Air conditioned. <laughs> of course. Um, wow. Very strong. I mean, serious tent. When the hurricane came into Florida, and came right across the Gulf to Jekyll Island, Georgia. Is that where that is? I forget. And, and it was raining cats and dogs, and we had to get those kids out of that <laughs> tent. 
<laughs> or you're going to have a lot of explaining to do to parents. Oh, yes, because we, you never know what's going to happen. You never know with a hurricane. So they all came in buses. So we found a church, First Baptist Church, in a town close by that was willing to take in a thousand kids in the hurricane. And so those kids, you know, got on their buses. We went to that church, but everybody was soaking wet, soaking wet and had no food. And it was time to eat. They let us come into their fellowship hall. The water running in their fellowship hall was probably like a river. And they fed us. That church fed those kids. And then let us have our evening service there. I know that (laughs) we were grateful. Yes, very grateful in many ways to them for opening their church to us. And And then it was over. You know, it passed. And so we were able to go back to the tent, which didn't blow away. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) It was still there, and we continued the rest of the week. But I do think that that camp was probably the most, um, the fun camp that anybody remembers, because if everything goes perfectly, you don't remember it. Of course. But those kids remembered being soaking wet and having to find a new place in the hurricane. Oh, that was fun. Okay, so, but we ate a lot of bad food <laughs> in camps. Of course. We slept on a lot of lumpy, hard <laughs> of course. cots. Pits. So we said to ourselves, well, if we ever have a chance to have a camp, we're going to serve good food and have good beds. Well... Mark Matlock was scheduled to speak. Um, he was one of he was our illusionist. He was our fun speaker to counteract Dawson's serious, very serious. I will say that when Dawson spoke, you could hear a pin mm-hmm, because Audiums, auditoriums full of teenagers, and it was it was silent. It was silent. They were wait, hanging on every word. Oh, great. They were paying attention. Mm-hmm. They weren't running to mm-hmm, the bathroom. Mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. was. It was amazing. amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, Mark was our fun person. And so he still we, is. Yeah. Oh, he is. <laughs> oh, very fun still. <laughs> and he does more than magic tricks now mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. jokes. Mm-hmm. Well, someone asked him to speak for their youth group at a place in Arkansas. And he came back after speaking there. He said, Al, you won't believe this great place that I just was. And guess what? It's for sale. We said, okay, whoa, we weren't planning on doing this, but since we said, if we ever have a camp, so Al went to see it. It was 600 acres. It was mostly raw land. There were a couple of cabins, um, a, a lodge where he spoke, but it was, it was beyond us. But the owner knew that we came and looked at it, and he said he really wanted us to have it, and he had an auction. Several people were bidding. We said, we cannot handle that. It's, it's too much for us. Mm. We, it, it is huge, and it's not close geographically. Right. So we didn't go to the auction, and the owner called us. It was Dr. Frank Minuth that owned it. He called us, and he said, Al, where were you? Al said, I'm sorry, 
we can't swing this. It's way, way beyond us. He said, can I come to your office and see how we can make it work? Because he really wanted it to be used for ministry. The people that had been bidding on it were going to divide it up and make it not ministry. And so we did, and it worked out. But we still didn't have the money. Remember Horn Creek? I do. Okay. Some of my happiest memories. I know, us too. But that's how we patterned our camp after Horn Creek, because it was so fun. Well, we were there the same summer that we were talking about this. A phone call came in the game room, the only phone there for the public. And it was noisy. There was ping pong going on or whatever. So Kids running around. It, of course. It was somebody, it was somebody <laughs> yes, to get an important phone call. It was somebody from Flower Mound, and they said, could we buy the five acres next to your house? We want to run some horses. How random is that? Yeah, I know. And um, and Al said, well, I haven't been looking at land. What do you, what are you thinking of as a price? And he gave us a price, and it was exactly what we needed for the down payment for that camp. Divine appointment. Oh, yes. That was the only way we knew, okay, God was in it. We're going to step forward and do it because God was in it. Now, we had that five acres because when we bought our house in Flower Mound, builders were not building on anything except treed lots. And there was five acres next to us that had not one stick of a tree. So we got it very reasonably. Wow. But it's exactly what someone needed to Mm -hmm. run horses. Mm -hmm. So they built this wonderful house and have horses to this day they are wonderful neighbors (laughs) yeah and equestrians and they you know it's been a fun thing but we loved going to shepherd of the ozarks camp with you we were some of the first people in after you bought it and we had the time of our lives we had the whole place to ourselves and you had milkshake a miniature horse, yes. which my girls oh, loved, yes. and creeks. I remember sitting um, waist deep in creeks trying to catch minnows in our bathing suits. <laughs> I don't know why we thought that was fun, but we did. Um, and just loved wandering around on the grounds. The campfire at night was just so wonderful. Uh, you invited several other people up, maybe a handful of families, and it was just such a sweet time of worship and prayer and celebration about what you were doing. And it was especially meaningful to our family because a lot of things had happened to us that year, and we didn't have a vacation that summer. And it was Labor Day weekend. The end of the summer, I'd given up hope that we would have anything <laughs> remarkable about that summer. And then you called and said, would you like to do Labor Day weekend with us at camp? And it was such a gift. I'll wow. never, ever forget. I love it that your girls have those memories, too. Um, and that's why we loved camping. Well, you remember there was no bridge over that creek. And when it rained, it could go from 3 feet deep, 18 inches deep, to 30 feet of raging water. And it separated the two sides of the camp. So, (laughs) amazingly, we were able to build a bridge 
a walkover bridge that would like maybe span the Mississippi because that creek, oh, it became a raging flood. Oh, there's so many fun memories of that. Oh, so what? many memories. And you did accomplish the goal. You made comfortable beds and delicious food. And we have mutual friends who would go every summer and cook for free just for the joy of being at camp and being able to serve. And, and we just had so many people committed to ministry to serve in that way. And you made that possible and created memories for so many families. You're bringing back a lot of fun memories to me, too. Well, well, that's um, why I wanted to have this conversation. <laughs> I knew it was going to be fun for both of us. Yes. Oh, wow. Well, um, after 19 years, we were getting a little older, a little long in the tooth, as they say. <laughs> and a couple came to us, 20 years younger, and they said, how could we do what you do? We said, wow. You mean like, exactly? (laughs) Here you go. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Because um, there's only one way to do what we were doing, is that they had to own the camp. It had to be theirs, because it's not a nine-to-five job. And they made it happen. And sort of like what Frank Minrith did for us, we kind of made happen for them so that it worked. And they have, then we were kind of retired. Oh, but we had some funds from the sale of the camp. So we said, okay, what will we do next? Oh, so we hosted couple getaways. And we did that for about three years till the money was gone. And then we said, now what will we do? I mean, we weren't ready to sit on the porch with our feet up. We said, okay, God, what would you have us do? And we kind of waited, and we didn't have any lightning bolt out of the sky. So we just kind of continued doing what you do. We were active in our church and um, hosted a life group, and that was fun. But my husband is a lion. He is. It's true. (laughs) And um, visionary, take charge, strong. Yes. Well, so, you know, he, he wished for another ministry. And this is how it happened kind of accidentally. So our church was asking for volunteers to help with Beach Club, a kids after school club at a at public schools. And so I volunteered and I helped. I was a helper. I helped teach the verse. And whenever I did that, I'd like to use some imagination for the kids. Well, they asked me to do the Christmas story. Hmm. How can I tell the nativity story and add some fun for the kids? Something different so that they will be engaged. So, um, yes, I wanted to make it fun. And I don't know where you get some good ideas, but um, the shower. <laughs> it does seem like that's the magical little box where good yes. ideas descend. It, it's like a think tank. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so, as I was in the shower, I said, um, you know what? I love hot running water. Oh, I love it. You know what? Jesus knew about hot running water, and he chose to come to a day when they did not have that. That's right. Okay. 
They had to walk everywhere they go. He knew about skateboards, bicycles, probably hoverboards, probably things that haven't even been invented yet. But he chose to go to that time and place. And I said, you know what? He didn't even have sneakers. (laughs) And so that is what I put into my Christmas story. The angels told the story, and they said, how can he go to a place? He doesn't even have sneakers. He said, let's get him some sneakers. He can wear them under his robe. Well, and also, I wanted to tell more than just the birth of Jesus, told the whole gospel story, because in Beach Club, um, that's the important thing. Kids come, and you really want to share the gospel. So I told that story. And then um, someone asked me to give the devotional at a ladies' Bible study, and I did. And one of the young moms there said, you ought to make, put that into a book. What? An interesting thought. And so I wrote it out verbatim as I gave it as a lesson. But I didn't know how to make it into a book. But you know who did? The person who worked in a publishing company (laughs) 40 (laughs) years ago. But, of course, it was a little rusty. So he went to the library, and he looked all through children's books to see what is needed to make a story into a book. And that's how it happened. Because that takes a lion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And... And he was able to do that and make it happen because I I couldn't have. And um, that little book, that was about three years ago. I'll tell you what we do with that little book now. Okay, it's on Amazon. I gladly would sell some, but that's not the important part, what we do, because it's the gospel. So this is our offer to you, to anybody who hears this. If you are in a group or a church and would like to use this book as part of your children's ministry, children's programming, or Christmas Eve service, if the pastor calls kids forward and reads a book, it takes about uh, seven to ten minutes to read, depending how you read it. It's not a huge thing. We have screen visuals of every page that can be put up, formatted for screens in a church or a TV screen because families use it for their family Christmas Sweet. too. We, we supply books free of charge to any group who wants to use it. Wow, very nice. And that is our ministry now. That is the Lions ministry now. And oh, I love it. I, I love it. I, we offer this to anyone any woman's group, any adult group, because we want them to take it to their kids. So that's the story behind Angels Tell the Story. Did the other two unfold in the same way? Sort of in the shower. (laughs) (laughs) That's where you do your best thinking. (laughs) There's no interruptions there. That's That's the beauty of it. Uh, Yes, exactly. And I don't know, there's something about running water. I mean, you're just, it's wonderful. Well... I like to think about the millennium. So, and what made me think, do you think we'll have hot running water in the millennium? I mean, the earth is going to be recreated like the Garden of Eden, and we'll have a thousand years. 
What about year 1000 to the year 2000? Look at all the things yes. that were, okay, do you suppose we'll do that? And so I just like to think about, okay, what will it be like? And so I had, I, I had this, I had to write it down. And I want to make, you know, especially teenagers, I want to make them excited <laughs> about being a, a Christian and the life that's open to us that is surely going to be ours in the future. Well, yes, will we be able to go from room to room and like Jesus did? You know, we'll, we'll have glorified bodies like his. And it is just fun. I just wanted to write that down. I just wanted to. Okay. And, um, and then uh, the other one, before there was time, the th- same thing, I thought. Hmm, how did Satan get that little seed of pride in his heart? Did he look in a mirror and say, Mirror, mirror on the <laughs> wall, who's the fairest angel of them all? Okay, so and fun, and it's for teenagers, young teens or older teens, because when you write a story, anybody you do write something, you want to, Make sure that someone is reading it and giving you an opinion and, and edit, 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 edit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I had teenagers. I had my grandkids read it at the time. Or, yeah, they were, they're, well, they're not young, though. They're in high school. But I also had some neighbors who were older teens. And I wanted to know what they thought and also what their mother thought. So that's it. I had to make sure it was, when you write something, you want to make sure it connects absolutely with your audience absolutely and um you edit 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 mm-hmm. <laughs> and these books are beautifully illustrated uh which is so important with children's books uh so i was very impressed with that how 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 well they were done you know sometimes um people have a good idea but the the unfolding of it doesn't always turn out to be an excellent product Yours are, and they're just really lovely. They're very readable. They're beautiful to look at, and it's really a joy to, them, joy to own them. You know, that's an interesting thing about the illustrations because, yes, everybody thinks, oh, I can write a children's book. It's only a few pages. Ah, but you have to have <laughs> illustrations. Mm-hmm. And I interviewed illustrators. <clears throat> well, first what I did is I drew out each page the way I wow. wanted it. I didn't know that. That's so fun. Yes. Very rough, but, and I'm not a real artist, but I can draw a little. I'm not, not. But you had a vision. Yes, and I wanted it to be the way I had vision. Mm -hmm. Well, I interviewed different artists, and they would try out, and they kind of wanted to do it the way they wanted to do it. (laughs) Of course, they're artists. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of gave up the idea. I kind of gave up. It and, can be or frustrating. There was, maybe there was someone who was really good, but they were far away and they weren't computer literate. Right. And you needed, we needed that. Yeah. And so I gave up on the idea. And I got a text from someone and she said, I heard you're looking for an artist. And I'm a Christ follower and I would love to illustrate your book. And she, um, her husband had had a bad 
motorcycle accident, she really needed work. And because of that, because she really needed it, she was willing to do it the way I asked her to. Mm -hmm. And the two of us sat down at the, at the public library, and she with her computer and me with my dream of how a spread would look. Mm-hmm. And we sat there for six and seven hours. We didn't even get up to go to the bathroom. Wow. We were so engaged mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. each other. And we parted as friends at the end of that book. And she was able to support her family at the time when she really needed it. But we didn't have money for the other books. So you know how those are illustrated? Shutterstock. (laughs) (laughs) Shutterstock is my friend, too. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And so, um, you know, they're illustrated differently, Mm -hmm. but they're for a different audience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so that was the fun of that. Oh, a writer needs support from family and friends. Of course. So, of course, yes, my husband, um, incredible support. But my kids. And so my one, Lauren, the son that you know, designed the covers. He would design the covers. And so, and he's the one that was, enabled us to put all the pages on sc- for screen, for screens. He did that for us. And so you kind of can't do it in a vacuum if you're going to do something. So some of the themes that I'm hearing that have been consistent throughout your life is that God has provided just the right people at just the right time, um, not only to come and to help you, but you were that person for so many people. And I love the give and take of that in God's economy. Another thing is that when you manage well the things that God has entrusted to you, he gives you more and he gives you better so that you can serve him in a, in a better way. What are some other lessons that you've learned in your walk with God? Well, as, as experiences build on each other, we ha- have to keep the lines of communication open with so God important. and with other people. If you get kind of crossways with someone, uh-oh, you better make it right. Because you never know if that clogged communication is going to keep something wonderful from coming in your life. Good. And anything is hard work, you know what, but it's worth doing. You know, isn't that what makes life's what makes life fun? Absolutely. Interesting. Absolutely. It takes work, mm-hmm. but that's when you can go to bed at night and say, Oh man, mm-hmm. what a day we've had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. But I would say that the main lesson is the lines of communication. To forgive and be forgiven. And I had to do that as a young child or an adult because of being uh, in the single mm-hmm. parent. Mm-hmm. I had to forgive other mm-hmm. people. Of course. And there you go. Because why go through life with that uncomfortable feeling that something is amiss? And especially amiss with God. Mm-hmm. I think those go hand in hand, um, learning that you're forgiven and knowing how good that feels mm-hmm. and then being able to turn around and give that to others. Mm-hmm. Um, and forgiveness requires knowing 
the loss that you encountered and not just brushing away saying no that's okay it's not important Mm -hmm. it is important Mm -hmm. otherwise forgiveness isn't necessary I mean if it's nothing what forgiveness is required but to be able to count the cost Mm -hmm. and to say so much was lost and I'm going to write it off because the relationship with you is more important and I think that's such a hard thing to learn but when you do learn it when you learn to give it and receive it you're free you're free to move forward and to make better decisions and to to love again and to have trust again and amen sister <laughs> preach it that'll preach that'll preach there you go well close our show out with uh, something you'd like to preach is there one thing that you would like our listeners to see more clearly as a result of our conversation today it is a wonderful thing to have your hands and heart open to our creator and to see what he would like to do. If we have an open heart and open hands. And that has been, that has been, he has been faithful through the years. I think that will be your legacy. Open heart, open hands. Thanks so much for your time today. Listeners, if you've enjoyed our conversation with Barbara McDonald, we'll have contact information for you in our show notes and also on our platforms. If you're interested in getting her books, we'll make those links available for you as well. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Can you think of someone who would enjoy our show today? If so, please share it with them. You can help others find us too by liking, subscribing, rating, and reviewing. Visit today's show notes for show highlights, links to recommended resources, including our own. NIS.media. I'd love to hear what you have to say, so drop me a line at Kit McCarty NIS on Facebook or at Kit at NIS.media. And if you'd like to hear more from me, sign up for my periodic newsletter when you're on my site. Special thanks to the production team at Headset Radio and to my friend Becky Salazar for the bumper music. I'm your host, Kit McCarty. See you again soon.